Chapter Twenty Six of Capital, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Capital: A Critical Analysis of Capitalist Production, Volume One, by Karl Marx, translated from the Third German Edition by Samuel Moore and Edward Aveling, and edited by Frederick Engels. Part Eight: The So-Called Primitive Accumulation, Chapter Twenty Six: The Secret of Primitive Accumulation. We have seen how money is changed into capital, how through capital surplus value is made, and from surplus value more capital. But the accumulation of capital presupposes surplus value. Surplus value presupposes capitalistic production. Capitalistic production presupposes the pre-existence of considerable masses of capital and of labor power in the hands of producers of commodities. The whole movement, therefore, seems to turn in a vicious circle, out of which we can only get by supposing a primitive accumulation, previous accumulation of Adam Smith, preceding capitalistic accumulation, an accumulation not the result of the capitalistic mode of production, but its starting point. This primitive accumulation plays in political economy about the same part as original sin in theology. Adam bit the apple, and thereupon sin fell on the human race. Its origin is supposed to be explained when it is told as an anecdote of the past. In times long gone by there were two sorts of people, one, the diligent, intelligent, and above all, frugal, elite, the other, lazy rascals, spending their substance and more in riotous living. The legend of theological original sin tells us, certainly, how men came to be condemned to eat his bread in the sweat of his brow. But the history of economic original sin reveals to us that there are people to whom this is by no means essential. Never mind. Thus it came to pass that the former sort accumulated wealth, and the latter sort had at last nothing to sell except their own skins. And from this original sin dates the poverty of the great majority that, despite all its labor, has up to now nothing to sell but itself, and the wealth of the few that increases constantly, although they have long ceased to work. Such insipid childishness is every day preached to us in the defense of property. M. Thier, for example, had the assurance to repeat it with all the solemnity of a statesman to the French people, once so spirituel. But as soon as the question of property crops up, it becomes a sacred duty to proclaim the intellectual food of the infant as the one thing fit for all ages and for all stages of development. In actual history it is notorious that conquest, enslavement, robbery, murder, briefly, force, play the great part. In the tender annals of political economy the idyllic reigns from time immemorial. Right and labor were from all time the sole means of enrichment, the present year, of course, always excepted. As a matter of fact, the methods of primitive accumulation are anything but idyllic. In themselves, money and commodities are no more capital than are the means of production and of subsistence. They want transforming into capital. But this transformation itself can only take place under certain circumstances that center in this, that is, that two very different kinds of commodity possessors must come face to face and into contact. On the one hand, the owners of money, means of production, means of subsistence, who are eager to increase the sum of values they possess by buying other people's labor-power. On the other hand, free laborers, the sellers of their own labor-power, and therefore the sellers of labor. 
free labourers in the double sense that neither they themselves form part and parcel of the means of production as in the case of slaves bondsmen etc nor do the means of production belong to them as in the case of peasant proprietors they are therefore free from unencumbered by any means of production of their own with this polarization of the market for commodities the fundamental conditions of capitalist production are given the capitalist system presupposes the complete separation of the laborers from all property in the means by which they can realize their labor as soon as capitalist production is once on its own legs it not only maintains this separation but reproduces it on a continually extending scale the process therefore that clears the way for the capitalist system can be none other than the process which takes away from the laborer the possession of his means of production a process that transforms on the one hand the social means of subsistence and of production into capital on the other the immediate producers into wage laborers the so-called primitive accumulation therefore is nothing else than the historical process of divorcing the producer from the means of production it appears as primitive because it forms the prehistoric stage of capital and of the mode of production corresponding with it the economic structure of capitalist society has grown out of the economic structure of feudal society the dissolution of the latter set free the elements of the former the immediate producer the laborer could only dispose of his own person after he had ceased to be attached to the soil and ceased to be the slave serf or bondsman of another to become a free seller of labor-power who carries his commodity wherever he finds a market he must further have escaped from the regime of the guilds their rules for apprentices and journeymen and the impediments of their labor regulations hence the historical movement which changes the producers into wage-workers appears on the one hand as their emancipation from serfdom and from the fetters of the guilds and this side alone exists for our bourgeois historians but on the other hand these new freedmen became sellers of themselves only after they had been robbed of all their own means of production and of all the guarantees of existence afforded by the old feudal arrangements and the history of this their expropriation is written in the annals of mankind in letters of blood and fire the industrial capitalists these new potentates had on their part not only to displace the guild masters of handicrafts but also the feudal lords the possessors of the sources of wealth in this respect their conquest of social power appears as the fruit of a victorious struggle both against feudal lordship and its revolting prerogatives and against the guilds and the fetters they laid on the free development of production and the free exploitation of man by man the chevalier d'industrie however only succeeded in supplanting the chevalier of the sword by making use of events of which they themselves were wholly innocent they have risen by means as vile as those by which the roman freedman once on a time made himself the master of his patronus the starting point of the development that gave rise to the wage labourer as well as to the capitalist was the servitude of the labourer the advance consisted in a change of form of this servitude in the transformation of feudal exploitation into capitalist exploitation to understand its march we need not go back very far although we come across the first beginnings of capitalist production as early as the fourteenth or fifteenth century sporadically in certain towns of the mediterranean the capitalistic era dates from the sixteenth century wherever it appears the abolition of serfdom has been long effected and the highest development of the middle ages the existence of sovereign towns has been long on the wane 
in the history of primitive accumulation all revolutions are epoch-making that act as levers for the capital class in course of formation but above all those moments when great masses of men are suddenly and forcibly torn from their means of subsistence and hurled as free and so-called unattached proletarians on the labour market the expropriation of the agricultural producer of the peasant from the soil is the basis of the whole process the history of this expropriation in different countries assumes different aspects and runs through its various phases in different orders of succession and at different periods in england alone which we take as our example has it the classic form footnote in italy where capitalistic production developed earliest the dissolution of serfdom also took place earlier than elsewhere the serf was emancipated in that country before he had acquired any prescriptive right to the soil his emancipation at once transformed him into a free proletarian who moreover found his master ready waiting for him in the towns for the most part handed down as legacies from the roman time when the revolution of the world market about the end of the fifteenth century annihilated northern italy's commercial supremacy a movement in the reverse direction set in the labourers of the towns were driven en masse into the country and gave an impulse never before seen to the petite culture carried on in the form of gardening and footnote end of part eight chapter twenty six